know, he had made his qualms, you know, with what he had. And, you know, if he didn't get a kidney, he was he was okay with that. Uh, but I was not. I had no idea about what it took or what was to come about that. Um, it was just, I knew I was so positive and I really needed to talk to my husband soon because I had just given my kidney away. <laughs> so that's kind of where it went. On this podcast, we share stories about the art of medicine, times that show how medicine is more than just the science of diagnoses, tests, and procedures. These stories show us how the rapport physicians and patients build with each other results in care that is more satisfying for doctors and makes for healthier patients. Every few weeks, we bring together a doctor and a patient and ask them to share their story. This week, we have Dr. Paul Morrissey, who's a transplant surgeon at Rhode Island Hospital. He's also a professor of surgery at Brown University. We also speak with his patient, Commander William Bundy, who's a decorated Navy veteran. Commander Bundy is now a professor at the Naval War College. I'm Viknesh Kasturi. And I'm Alex Homer, and this is Back of the Chart. Years ago, Commander Bundy's doctors ran some routine blood tests. They noticed that he had high levels of creatinine, a waste product of muscle contraction. This meant that his body couldn't filter out blood like it used to. His kidneys were failing. With that, the commander's doctor started him on dialysis. A couple times a week, he'd go to a clinic where a machine would filter his blood. And that was his only option until he could get a transplant. Most kidney patients stay in the purgatory that is dialysis. It's hard to find a kidney that'll match. Kidneys are in short supply, so sometimes it takes over three and a half years to find one. Commander Bundy enrolled in the transplant list and had a surgical procedure to modify his blood vessels for dialysis. That was when he met Dr. Morrissey. And so I went on dialysis in, in 2012. Uh, I had a fistula put in by, by Dr. Morrissey, and I continued to work. I continued, um, you know, as best of a lifestyle as I could, and, um, and I was put on the transplant list. At one point, it seemed like the waiting was over. A kidney had become available. Dr. Morrissey and Commander Bundy met to go over the procedure. Unfortunately, the kidney didn't work out, but the relationship between patient and physician started to flourish. They didn't just talk about the commander's health, though there was plenty of that. Their conversation touched on world events and even the commander's favorite accessory, bow ties. Dr. Morrissey learned how to tie them, and whenever the commander visited, Dr. Morrissey made sure to wear one. I had to learn to tie one. It was well worth it. Um, so uh, hopefully a skill I'll have for life. <laughs> Once you, you know, it's like tying shoes. Once you kind of get it down, you, you don't lose that skill. I see, I see. I recommend it to you guys as well. Yeah? Yeah. Get in front of the mirror and start going at it. (laughs) Before we continue with the story, we have to meet someone else. Someone from when Commander Bundy was in charge of a large portion of the submarine base in San Diego. During his time there, an enlisted sailor was assigned to his flag quarters. Her name was Tracy Bay. Here's Tracy. Well, the story starts um, when I was uh, 18 and I met him in the military. And uh, we just became, we became friends, and uh, he was more like a mentor for me. And I'd ask him questions, and he would just give me 
his honest opinion, and I really appreciated that. What I gathered from from Tracy was, uh, you know, the, the the time that she spent, um, you know, taking care of my area of the of the flag quarters. Um, I treated her well. I I gave her the opportunity to learn learn some things. Um, I provided uh, coaching about what she should do, you know, in her career, and um, and she remembered all that. Commander Bundy didn't just provide career advice. At the time, Tracy was dating a fellow sailor who was considering leaving the military, and Commander noted that if she stayed in the service, her spouse would still have to live the military life. Your spouse now that is a civilian still has to live that military life, so you can't make that choice by yourself. That's something you have to make together, and I don't think a lot of people realize that, which I didn't. So he was giving me those tools to add to my toolbox to tell me that, you know, this is not going to be your only decision anymore. You you have to incorporate that with your spouse. Um, so that was, that was that was some life-changing information that he gave me. He didn't tell me what to do. He just gave me that tool to add to my box um, so that I can use it when I needed it. And I did use it. You know, I made my choice and uh, I made it, you know, to go forward and not be in the military, but to evolve with my husband, which worked because we're still together for 30 years. So Fast forward a few decades and Tracy and her now husband have four kids. The Navy is christening a new ship, the USS Zumalt. And as it turns out, Tracy is a member of the Zumalt family, so she's invited to attend the ceremony. She's also given the opportunity to bring a guest, and because of the role Commander Bundy played in her life, Tracy asked him to accompany her. Excited to see somebody I hadn't seen in, in so many years, and uh, then at that time he had told me that he was at M-Stage. And, uh, and she says, well, I'll be a donor. I said, I said you don't have to do that. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's really blessed the, that you would think of it. Uh, one thing led to another, uh, and she was persistent. I, you know, he had made his qualms, you know, with what he had, and you know, if he didn't get a kidney, he was he was okay with that. Uh, but I was not, <laughs> and um, so we started talking about um, the kidney information, and I was in the medical field for some time, and. I knew kind of the procedures about dialysis and kidney failure and things like that. Uh, it wasn't really my forte, but I did know a little bit about it. And uh, he was telling me that he needed an O positive because that's what would match his blood. And I'm like, well, hello, I've had four kids. Um, you can have my kidney. I know I'm O positive. So that kind of started our adventure um, in the um, donation process. I had no idea about what it took or what was to come about that. Um, it was just, I knew I was so positive and I really needed to talk to my husband soon because I had just given my kidney away. <laughs> so that's kind of where it went. Um, at first, I tried to talk her out of it. I She was 44 years old. She has three daughters. And um, and she said, no, this, uh, you know, this was was meant to be. Now, now you got to kind of think of it, whether you think of it through a religious lens or a spiritual lens or, or maybe you just believe in in fate. So here's someone that I I met 25 years ago. I was 
you know, a pretty senior uh, officer on the ship, you know, the enlisted people don't get to talk to you that much unless you initiate conversations or, you know, in the normal process of of affairs. Um, and so she had this opportunity to to get to get to know me a bit, and I I provided, as I said, uh, mentorship and and support. There was about you know a good twenty five percent of people that you know um, were negative against it, uh, but I did not listen to them. I knew that besides having my children, there was something else I needed to do in my life, and donating my kidney to Commander was that next best thing, you know. Um, there's nothing in your life. When you have children, you're giving life um, from something that comes from you, and giving Commander my kidney kind of fills in that same nature. I, I really don't know how to explain it any better than that. I think, you know, people say destiny um, or that she, that she was put in my life 25 years ago to save me now. You know, because, you know, as a, as a kidney patient, I've learned a lot about kidney disease. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm able to enjoy my grandchildren, you know, and, and I'm able to, um, to continue, continue my life. And I recognize that. It's, it's a life-saving um, thing that happened. I mean, that we say donate life, and she did. She donated life to me. Um, I don't think that I'm a hero. I don't think that I am something special. Uh, the names that people have given me are just unbelievable. I, I, I can't even, like, I don't even know that I feel that kind of presence, you know. Um, people said I'm an angel. I just feel like that was my natural gift to give to somebody. If I had another kidney, I'd probably give it away as well. I, I, um, but my, <laughs> but my kids say I can't give any four body parts away. But um, I just, it was a natural gift. There's no other way to explain it than that. So to have this person, um, you know, who, who he worked with, who who he'd known for years, but only in a casual setting, uh, then make this donation, and now of course, you know, they're in perpetuity. Uh, locked together in in a in in a great uh in kind of intense friendship probably more intense than than most of us can appreciate for a living donor uh and the recipient uh they usually have a, a separate surgeon uh, the reason for that is that the surgeries uh, occur uh, simultaneously. So, in fact, you need two surgeons. There are a few small programs where the same surgeon does both procedures, uh, but that, that's quite unusual. After a suite of tests, Dr. Morrissey's team confirms Miss Bay as a suitable donor, and they schedule a day for the transplant. But before the two patients are wheeled in for surgery, Miss Bay has a request. So they were trying to keep us apart. I wanted to, I demanded basically that I needed to see him before because God forbid if he had passed away and I did not see him, I, I couldn't, I couldn't live with that. Okay, so that last part was garbled a bit. She says, God forbid if he had passed away and I had not seen him before, I couldn't live with it. So finally they, they got some kind of okay and we were able to see each other. He was already hooked up to his IV, so he couldn't come to me. I went to him, and I was so happy that I could hug him and touch him and tell him that I was going to see him on the other side. After this interview, Commander Bundy sent us an email. 
he attached a photo someone had snapped right before they were both wheeled in for surgery. The photo is a bit grainy. It was taken under the yellow lights of the hospital. Dangling in the background, you can see the thick cords from the heart rate monitor and ultrasound machines. Both Tracy and Mr. Bundy are clothed in identical purple gowns. The roles and ranks of their lives have been stripped away. Tracy leans against the gurney, her hands on his shoulder. Mr. Bundy is strapped into his bed by the IV lines in his arm. A white hose snakes up the edge of the bed, alongside the dark handrail. He's nervous, but he looks straight at the camera with a slight smile, and the gratitude in his eyes is unmistakable. You know, the visit might end up being 75% medical, but I think that that 25% is really important. Uh, you know, that's what uh, the patient already knows from the person who referred to me, uh, that this is a guy who can do what you're coming to see him for, whether it's related to dialysis access or the, or the transplant. Uh, but they want to know that, you know, this is a kind of regular person that uh, uh, is, is going to consider me as not as a patient uh, per se, but as a patient and a person uh, is going to take good care of me um, and is you know, going to be somebody that I can be relaxed around. And even the surgeries that I say are minor surgeries, it's, it's not minor to the patient. You know, it might be their first time ever in an operating room. Uh, and even though this surgery is not that extensive in terms of uh, the size of the surgery or the recovery, uh, it's a scary time for a patient. And to have, you know, something besides the medical interaction, I think, is important for, to put the patient at ease. I always knew I wanted to be a surgeon, and by always, um, when I was in college, I was debating between uh, getting a PhD in chemistry and going to medical school. So at that point, uh, not not assured. But once I went to medical school, I kind of gravitated towards people who liked surgery. Um, they became my friends, and I was always very interested in it. So I was kind of single-minded in my goal to be a surgeon. Once I started doing surgery rotations, I was interested in vascular surgery. Uh, and I did several rotations in it and really enjoyed it. Uh, had a plan to do vascular surgery through my residency, and uh, then uh, my daughter was born. And my wife um, was a pediatric resident, and we couldn't have both of us in residency and take care of my daughter at the time, so I went to a laboratory and did research. And it just so happened that uh, it was a transplantation laboratory. Um, this was at Yale New Haven Hospital, and I worked with two transplant surgeons there, uh, became more familiar with uh, transplant in general, uh, more enamored with the field, and uh, inspired by these two surgeons, and uh, switched course there from vascular uh, surgery to transplant. One of the things that my uh, former rabbi in a synagogue uh, that I belonged to used to tell me, um, it was nice of him to say it, um, but he'd say, oh, nice of you to be here to join us, um, you're always out doing God's work. And um, I thanked him for saying that every time, uh, but uh, tried not to let it get to my head. Um, but I think it's true. Um, in medicine, we get to do God's work, and it's a real privilege, and that's why people talk about it being a privilege to work with patients, work in a hospital, take care of people. Uh, there's people that have a job that doesn't allow that, but then they spend their time outside of work as volunteers, um, and that's their, their goal, is to help other people. And 
we're so fortunate in medicine to be able to do that as part of our work and to, to do it every day. The stories in Transplant are, are truly um, inspiring. Um, Commander Bundy's and his donor, um, Ms. Bay, um, just, just one of many. Um, theirs is one of the great tales, and it's very inspiring. But to be a part of that, uh, it's really uh, heartwarming. Uh, it really gives you a lot of kind of faith in, in all of humanity. My, my point here right now is to thank Dr. Morrissey. And I, I thank him and all the members of his team and, um, and for the continued support that I not only received. I feel blessed uh, that, that Tracy Bay came into my life 25, well, 20, almost 30 years ago now. And, um, and I, I, you know, pray on those, those uh, happenings in my life and, and I'm very grateful for him. I feel blessed. Um, so, so this uh, this opportunity to talk about it, I think, is uh, is important that your your students hear it. You know, we're real people, and the idea of helping other people is uh, is so very important. And and I'm very grateful for it. We're so grateful to Commander Bundy, Dr. Morrissey, and Tracy for sharing their story with us. And thank you, our listeners. We'll be releasing a new episode two Mondays from now. Back of the Chart is produced and hosted by Alex Homer and Viknesh Kasturi. Tweet at us at Back of the Chart or check out our website, backofthechart.weebly.com. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. And if you love this episode, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Helps new listeners find the show. The music in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to faculty and staff at Brown University for making this possible.